Good evening, everyone, brothers and sisters. Today we will continue talking uh, about or developing this series of sermons that we've been developing during these weeks uh, about one another, one another in the scriptures. And today I'm going to talk about uh, comfort one another. It's a very important word, especially these days, always has been, but especially these days, something that we need to consider. Uh, I'm very glad that we are developing this series because it's helping us to, to, uh, to have biblical guidance in how we work, how we, in, in our interaction among others in the church. We are being equipped. We are developing additional skills. We are remembering things that we, we knew, but we, it's like a constant update. At least that has been for me, that we are updating, listening to our brothers preaching. And uh, it's supporting definitely the saints in the church, uh, in fellowship, this discipleship, and, and life together. That's something that, for me, is very valuable and useful. So far we've been talking about forgiving each other, loving each other, forgiving each other, and stirring up each other. The, the previous uh, sermons talked by, by Pastor Jason and Kurt and Mike, or Elder Mike. And you will see that all these sermons are interrelated in a way. Because we are talking about more or less the same. We are talking about how to support and help one another. And that's good it's interrelated. We're talking about the same thing. So today I'm going to talk, as I said, I'm going to talk about comforting one another. And it's based on 2 Corinthians 13, 11. This sermon will have three parts, basically. What is comforting? What tools do we have available to comfort? and the, the application of that and conclusions. So if you will, can you take your Bibles and read with me the, the Word of God? Remember, the Word of God is sufficient, has no error, and is, uh, has complete authority for us. And uh, is 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we adore you and love you. We adore you because you are the, our only God, our creator and savior. And we thank you for your grace, your love, and the benefits and blessing you have given to us freely and without condition. We give you thanks for this opportunity to hear your word, which uh, talks about fellowship and comforting one another. We praise you and, and pray that you will give us the grace to preach it, understanding and internalize it, making your word part of our lives so we can put it in practice and, as you will. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I would like to start defining the word comforting. Sometimes we can see that word associated with 
pleasure, with amenities and relaxation. You can find that word in uh, advertising of travels and, and cars and housing clothes. But in our case, we, are, uh, we, we have another meaning. We want to consider another meaning, which is the meaning of consolation, solace, condolence, and commiseration. Comforting is helping other people, supporting other people, cons uh, giving counsel to other people. And as an example, we can see when somebody is in pain, when we have a kid that fails and his mother comes to quickly to help him to cure his scratches in the knees, she is comforting him. He's giving him this encouragement, helping him because he's in pain. The same happened with when you see somebody that has a big loss, a loved one that passed away or a, a job that is lost, and you comfort that person because that person is sad and is in trouble. It's sad and is grieving. Or support and encouragement comfort that person. And you know, eh, Last night, I was preparing this sermon, but I ha I, every Sunday I have a specific time to talk to my mother. And I, she's still in Venezuela, and uh, I was talking to her, and uh, we were on the phone, and she was very stressed, not, on not only because all the things that are happening in Venezuela, as you all know that people are migrating by foot to different countries. They're not walking just to, 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 to our border in, in, in Texas. They are walking to Argentina. They're walking to Chile, to Brazil, to Colombia, by foot. Eight million people have, have already emigrated for, for the country. The country has 30 million people. It used to have 30 million people. The, the country lost eight million. But that's not happening only in Venezuela. It's happening everywhere in the world. As we heard from our elder Dave in the pastoral prayer, he was praying for, we were praying for a lot of people that is suffering in the world. Wars, persecutions, diseases, a lot of problems. Life is difficult. Besides that, in Venezuela, the last two days have been raining a lot, and they are virtually missing cities. I mean, there are t thousands of people disappeared because of the rain, rivers of mud covering the cities. You can see on, the, on, on YouTube, you can see the houses being, I mean, the, 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 the floor is, is, is being broken, the houses are coming down. Big houses, expensive houses. So she was telling me last night, how long? How far it will go? I'm tired of this. She just, she, actually she told me, I don't want to live anymore. This is terrible. I pray, she's a believer and she told me, I pray the Lord should take me away. So I said, okay, I, starting, I started practicing my sermon last night with her. <laughs> I'm introducing this topic because basically uh, we, are, we have an opportunity every single day to comfort people. 
And we have an opportunity every single day to be comforted also by other people. Now, what is comforting? I, I, I was trying, I, I love etymology and I like, you know, to understand the words, not only in English, but also in Spanish and any, any language, Greek. And I, I, I try to go deep, but I, don't, I won't go that far during the sermon because, you, you know, we want to go home. But basically, I will go through the word to explain a little bit the, the, the significance and the meaning, the different meanings. Can be a verb and can be a noun. As a verb is to give strength and hope, is to cheer, to ease the grief or trouble, to console. And as a noun, noun is to aid, support, give consolation, give relief, encouragement, provide an enjoyable experience to others. Among others' meanings. However, this is a very important word. So we need to go to the Greek. In the Greek, the word means be encouraged, be exhorted, heed my appeals, or accept my admonition. Those are meanings made by the scholars that study the word of God and based on the context. Heed my appeals, accept my admonition. Those are words that Paul is using to comfort the church. And actually, Paul names this word comforting nine times only in the first chapter, verses 3 to 7. Nine times. It's amazing how many times Paul is using this word. There he's talking about God. That is basically 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. God as the comforter, the helper, the counselor. So in that, in that frame, he's, at, he's talking about the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows the things of God, teaches the church, dwells in believers, bear witness to Christ. Now, that word, going, going back to that word, in Greek is parakaleo. Parakaleo is a composed word. Para is like next, near. Kaleo is to call. I did this uh, gesture because in order to remember that word when I was in the seminary, I said to call, kaleo, call. It's not that way, it's to call. But anyways, sorry about that. Parakaleo <laughs> uh, uh, is to call near, that's the, or call to one's side. That's the real meaning of, of the, this literal meaning of the word. So going back to the Holy Spirit, it's always there, the Holy Spirit, to give a special care in times of need. He's next to us. He's the advocate and encourager, and will stay with the church to guide, help, and empower every believer in the church. Now, how can we apply that word to us? Parakaleo means exhorting, Asking, praying, inviting. I can parakaleo somebody who is hurt. I can call next to me somebody who is hurt. And I can, I can call God to my life because I'm hurt also. Implies compassion. Implies consolation. Solidarity in suffering. All those meanings are in only one word. Comfort. 
we are supposed to comfort others, to comfort one another, but only, always remembering that consolation comes from Christ. So basically what we need to do is to bring people next to Christ. That's the way we comfort others. Come to Christ. That's what I did with my mom last night. Because I cannot, I cannot bring her next to me for different reasons. But I can tell her, go to Christ. Read the Bible. Read these passages. Pray. Pray for you. Pray for me. Conform me also with your prayer. And that will help you, will help me, because God has a plan with all the things that are happening there. We can see the same thing in people in Somalia escaping, people from Ukraine, people from different countries. Millions of people, thousands of people, trying to reach Europe every single day, illegally, because they don't have a way of being legal. It doesn't justify breaking the law, but there are a lot of people seeking for comfort, seeking, in need of Jesus. That's basically the, the, the point. So that's what we need to do. It's the ultimate, ultimate purpose, to bring people to Jesus, comforting people, bring them to Jesus. Later, Paul says in the same short verse, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Be of one opinion, be of one mind, be together, stay united, not divided. Why is, is Paul talking about that, I mean, in those terms, about the church of, uh, of Corinth? It's basically, was the church divided, that they need to be reunited? And you know, uh, we tend to idealize, and here I'm paraphrasing Arsis Pro. We tend to idolize the, 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 church, the early church. And we tend to think that the, in the early church, everything was nice, beautiful. People were just dying to go to martyrdom for Christ. And everything was beautiful. No, we are human beings. We are sinners. They were also sinners, human beings. And in the church of Corinth, there were a lot of trouble. There was a lot of trouble. And the, he, when he wrote that letter, the letters to the Church of Corinth, it was a very turbulent time. Actually, Arsus Pro says that that has, had to be an action of the grace of God that that church uh, uh, stayed, uh, stayed, uh, 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 was maintained in time. There were, there were many heresies going in, 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 in that church. The authority of Paul was... Uh, 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 challenged. So he had to be strong to rebuke not only the, those who opposed to his authority given directly by Christ to him, but also he had to be strong to fight against heresies, sins, and, and, uh, and, uh, and division. Because basically he loved that church so much. Because he loved the church of Christ so much. And the other thing is that we need to consider that is that uh, Corinth was a con co cosmopolitan, what we would say a cosmopolitan ch uh, city at that time. It was like Houston, that is very hard to find a Houstonian in Houston. You can find Venezuelans, you can find Colombians, you can find people, from Vietnamese, you can find Americans from different states, but real Houstonians are hard. At least it has been hard for me. The same was in Corinth. 
people from different places, different cultures living together, going probably to that church, some of them. But they had different backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. Corinth used to have, a, a, at that time, about 500,000 people. That's a respectable number for a city today. So you can imagine at that time. People, I mean, it was basically a commercial city. It was like Houston in those terms. So it was not easy for poor. Idolatry and morality was everywhere also, as it is now in our cultural statement, cultural uh, background now. And Paul knew that a church is a body that needs to profess and give evidence of salvation. And that was not what was happening in the, in the, in, in the church in Corinth. So he had to deal with that with advice, guidance, reprimand, correctives as needed. And in, that, in this frame, Paul wrote these letters. But he didn't want to punish the church. He wanted to defend the word of God. He wanted to, to defend the purpose of God there because he loved God and he loved the church. He wanted just to be a good tool in God's hands. I'm saying that because that's the way we should think about ourselves. We, want, we love the church. We want to be a good tool in God's hands. We don't want to be what we want to be. We want to be what God wants us to be. And, uh, and, and be like correcting ourselves, correcting, fighting the error, the doctrinal error, correct, and fighting sin and correcting with love, prudence, fortitude, patience, and temperance. We need to know how to correct other people, how to comfort people. We need to equip ourselves. We need to learn in the church. We need to be sure we are doing the right work in the right way because can, if we can mess it up if we don't do it in the right way. Paul just wanted to have a body of people in the church, a body of people committed to Christ and obeying him. That's what he wanted. That's what we want. That's why he gives encouragement, not only to Corinth, to Corinth but also to the Ephesians. Ephesians 4 to 6 is just a set of, let's call it rules or guidance in how the church should be, how the husbands should be, how the wives should be, the kids. And uh, in, in all his, probably one of the, I don't know how many times, but uh, probably in all the Paul, Paul letters, Comfort is one of the words that is repeated the most. So, people committed to Christ and obeying him. Paul wants joy, unity, intimacy, and holiness in the church. And that's what we need to promote in the church. With our own behavior, personally and with others, to give example, to pray to one another, to pray for one another, and to teach one another. Now, what tools do we have? This is the second part. It's shorter, I promise. We have prayer. That's the main tool that we need to use to comfort others. Prayer before, during, and after, I would say, they, they, we comfort, com, com, comfort people. Prayer to know how to approach the brethren to encourage, to support, to help, to admonish, or to correct. 
We need to ensure that we're doing what God wants, not what we want or what we believe we sh it should be. We have to have a whole intention and do everything for his glory, not for ours. We are, it's an it's a excellent tool to edify our fellows, conform, con, 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 uh, comforting each other, to edify uh, church members with humility and prudence. So we pray for all, for all that. But also we pray for grace. That's another tool we have in hands to comfort others. Grace because in his infinite love, God gave, gave us grace to fulfill his plan on us, to resemble his image on us. We have this Imago Day that is tainted by sin, but the grace from God will help us to love each, uh, one another will help us to get knowledge in how to know how to do things, what we should say, what we shouldn't say, and how, <clears throat> sorry, how to say it, and uh, wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. That's another important tool. Truthfulness, justice, goodness, mercy, holiness. Those are things we need to pray for and we need to put in practice when we are comforting others. And also we need to account for the possible spiritual, I mean, not the possible, the, core, the actual spiritual uh, uh, state, spiritual and mental state of the people, uh, the person we, we need to comfort, to, to comfort. We need to account for his cultural background because we want the message to pass. We want to help effectively that person. We want that person to understand exactly what we mean. We need to understand his or, his or her social situation, his fears. We need to try to use the same language of that person and use the same level and, use and put in her or his shoes. In her shoes to, be, to, to try to understand that person. And we need to remember that somebody that needs comfort, need, needs to be comforted, most of the times is not able to solve the problem by himself. That person doesn't know what to do. Probably is not even thinking in what to do. He's just thinking in what happened or what will happen or what the decision he needs to make. And that person may not have the, 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 the information or the tools that he needs. So... We need to listen. And we need to help that person to listen because that person may be not able to listen well, to, put, to, pay, to pay attention, to make conclusions and decisions based on the comfort we are giving. It's our duty. It's the duty of the church to comfort others. We need to put our time and talents for that. It's one of the primary marks of the church and one of the primary duties we have as Christians, helping others, comfort, comforting others. We need to share that joy of Christ. That's why Paul starts the verse saying, rejoice. We do things with joy. We help others with joy. Even when they, what, whatever happens is something that is not good, but is permitted by God. So we, we rejoice and we help people to rejoice. And the only way that, pe that person has to rejoice is to go to Jesus, not to go to us. Once they go to Jesus, even with the, in the hardest problem they can be going through, they will rejoice. 
because they will feel the grace and they will understand and they will be stronger and more and better equipped to confront any issue. So that's, minis that's, that's an opportunity for minister that we have, taking care of his church, taking care of the church, God's church. And here I remembered uh, Jesus in Matthew 25, 44, 45, when he asked Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Go and feed. He, Jesus is telling us the same. Do you really love me? Feed my sheep. Comfort, com comfort my sheep. I tend to see sheep, to say sheep is sheep. It's the proof. So, Give meaning to a purpose. That will give meaning and purpose to our Christian life. We need to be respectful, comforting others. We need to have love, prudence, and holy intentions. We need to be careful not to confuse others. It's very, very easy to confuse others, especially if we don't have the prudence of self to, to stay and the, and the temperance to, for self-control, and we try to involve emotionally. We can make a lot of mistakes. We need to stand for Christ, stand for that person, and really help. Control our emotions. Have knowledge and guidance from the church. And equip, in summary, equip ourselves. Paul instructed the church of Corinth to be in unity. Because only in unity and in joy we can do this. If we have different opinions in the church, if we, we are not united, we cannot do this. We need to, have, to, be, to, to be united with the same purpose in order to, uh, to uh, preach the truth that is in, in God's word. In purity and joy, because we are saved by the work of Christ, by faith, by grace alone, and that's what we need to repeat to everybody, to help people understand. We are saved by grace, not by our efforts, and that's a blessing that will help us rethink and, and see the things that is hap are happening in, with a different, different filter, with a different, from a different perspective. We need to be one family in the church six, to seek peace and unity and rejoicing and mourn with others when necessary. In my personal, as a conclusion, in my personal experience, I don't know if culturally or personally, it's been hard for me to find out when, when I need to be uh, comfort, comforted. When I need comfort. Uh, <clears throat> probably because since I was a kid, I had to start solving my problems by myself. But sometimes, and for some people, not necessarily for me, sometimes maybe for me, we can have, we can lack of, Humility can be a lack of, can be a stubbornness, can be arrogance, that we don't want to be helped. We need to overcome that. We need to subdue that. We need to examine ourselves and determine when we need to be conformed, supported and comforted. We need to carry our cross with dignity and learn from Paul. We can imitate Paul because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, imitate me because I imitate Christ. So we can imitate him. 
we can comfort others the same way he used to comfort the church. And, and that way we're going to be imitating Christ, which is the ultimate purpose. Christian life is difficult, as I said. And we need to, the only way of surviving and accomplishing our duties is keeping Christ in focus. In good and bad times. Sometimes we don't need to have what to say in a specific situation. Just cry with that person or laugh with that person. Stay there and let that person know, holding his hand, that you are there for him. That probably sometimes is enough support and comfort for that people, at least momentarily. We need to have, there is a word in Latin, misericordia, that is, share my heart. We need to put that feeling in our heart in order to understand not only what people, that person is feeling, but also how we can help. And there is a, another word, in, a phrase in Latin that I like, is consumati in unum. That means make in one, make together in one, that unity. But also consumati in unum with that person that you are comforting. Be the same, feel the same, so you can identify that need and address the problem and help, really effectively help that problem. But remember, and I close with this, we can, we can do all of this, but at the end, we do what we need to do. We pray a lot for that person, as I said before, during and after the comforting process and leave the rest to God. He knows better than us. Let us pray. <clears throat>